0: I trust you have been uh, blessed and are being blessed as we work our way through the book of Romans. This is a book of foundation. And when you have uh, a building being built and foundation is being prepared for and laid, it gets pretty nasty. It gets pretty torn up. I don't think there's any buildings right on Kijijōjidori here. But around our place, they're, they're tearing down old houses and building bigger, better houses. And it's it's messy. The Japanese have an incredible way of tearing down buildings. We don't do it this way in the United States. We just have them implode. Well, not really, but... We we get It gets very messy. But in Japan, they put these screens up around, and you see this happening, and you're thinking, are they going to change the face of this building, or are they going to just rip it down? And it's always a mystery. And I've always wanted to stop my car and get out and look <laughs> through the screen and see what's going on back there. That's the way it is for us in our Christian life that it gets pretty messy sometimes. And because of the, the, the foundations that need to be laid, there's some things that have to be ripped out, changed around, piles of dirt, things hauled away. I think you're getting the analogy. And that's where we are just right at that point where the transition from the messy to the orderly starts kicking in. So we've, we've messed around in chapter 7 and groveled, and the Holy Spirit, through his word, has been digging at our heart and things in our consciences and in our minds and understanding that we've had pretty safely hidden. And because of that, we are vulnerable I think vulnerable, do you know what that word means? It means I have no protection. Everything's out in the open. Everybody knows about me. At least that's what we think. And so we have this sense of, well, I have to look happy. I have to look like everything's just fine. But inside is condemnation. Condemnation is destructive. Actually, that's how I thought about this illustration of the building. Actually in America we are starting to build buildings that are earthquake proof. I think we started that many years ago here in in Japan. But some buildings are not earthquake proof or not you can't even fix them. You've got to just rip them down. So they're condemned. So, an inspector comes by, says, nope, 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 that, that won't make it. That will not stand a five-point whatever or a seven-point or eight-point earthquake. It'll come down in a flash. And the building's condemned. Was this building ever checked for earthquake-proof? Uh, <laughs> being in the basement, we're safe, aren't we? Anyway, being condemned is really a terrible thing. It upsets our lives. So we're breaking through from chapter 7 and coming to chapter 8. But I need to back up into chapter 7, just in the last verse, just to kind of get a run at uh, chapter 8, okay? So... Paul says in the anguishes, Oh, wretched man that I am, who was going to set me free from this body of death? And I was also reading another commentary that I do agree with by Stephen Cole, a pastor in Flagstaff, Arizona. He's been a pastor for many, 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 many years. He's probably the most prolific writer on Romans in current days but very down-to-earth pastor, and I've appreciated his writings. I actually wrote to him this past week, and he wrote back. I was surprised. Very nice letter. And I commended him on his commentary. his It's basically just his messages, just like what I'm doing. Whoever's hearing on this right now, uh, go to Stephen Cole out there. Not Don't listen to my message. Anyway... Stephen says this after you've read Romans 7. He says, first, if you do not hate your sin and struggle against it, you need to examine whether you're really saved or not. You get that? If you don't hate your sin, then you're not struggling against it. You need to examine whether you're even a Christian, whether you're even saved. We think that Romans 7 is for unbelievers. No, it is for believers. But the struggle that comes in our lives is because there's sin still there in our hearts, even though we're believers in Jesus. And it's because of that struggle that we know that the Holy Spirit is stirring this up and he's trying to renovate, he's trying to make something new of us. He has to do a big clean-up job. And sometimes God doesn't even put a curtain around so that nobody else can see it. But sometimes, most, a lot of the times, by the way, if you compare it to how much sin you're struggling with in your life, there's a thick curtain there that God in his mercy is covering from the eyes of others. But you know what? If you don't even know what I'm talking about right now, I would like to just talk to you just for a few minutes. Because if you don't have that struggle, you don't even know what we're talking about, you need Jesus. You need him in your life. Now, this isn't a very good sales point right now when we're talking about You become a Christian and then all of a sudden stuff starts coming out. But, you know what? It might be a good sales point too. And so I'm starting my message with an invitation for some of you, if you don't know Jesus, or even if you're questioning, I'd like to encourage you to consider this. Making a simple prayer. Just pray this. Jesus, come into my life right now. I confess my sins to you. Cleanse me from my sins and make me clean. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In praying a simple prayer like that, it brings a lot of trouble to you. But if you haven't really received Jesus, there's much, much, much worse things coming to you. We all need Jesus. Everybody needs him. The second thing that Stephen Cole says, he says, if you have trusted in Christ, but are defeated often by sin, so that you feel in bondage to it, there is hope of deliverance. You are in the best place you could be if you are struggling with sin. Now you think, that's craziness. Why do I feel so terrible inside and know about my sin? And there's hope. It doesn't seem like it. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I'm going to raise mine. I've struggled with this for over 50 years about my sin. Because, why? Because when I was 11 years old, I accepted Jesus and I asked him into my life. And I had no idea as an 11-year-old that I would struggle from that day forward to, I must be a bad guy. Nobody is like me, as bad as what I am, lying, cheating, stealing. And I feel terrible about it. When Paul was saying, I do this with my flesh and I desire this with my spirit, and what we were reading in chapter 7. It sounds like there's two people there. But there aren't. He's not schizophrenic. He's not double-faced. That's the reality of the Christian life. That is normal Christian living. When you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit in your heart, you can be assured you're walking with God and he will give you the direction for your life out of freedom from the bondage of sin and really understanding. And that's what we're going into now with chapter 8. That struggle has to come. It has to be there. If it has not been there, you need Jesus to come in. But if you have been struggling and you understand what I'm talking about and what Paul is talking about, Join the club. We're all in the same condition. We need to get with it. We need help. We need a helper. Let's read these verses then, starting with the last of Romans 7 and going as far as 8, verse 8. By the way, I apologize to uh, my good friend, Dan Brennan, last week for my pointing out to him that he didn't get to get all of chapter 8 because he's going to be speaking this next month for me while I'm on vacation. And I told him, you don't get the whole thing. And I apologize to him for you know talking to him about this in front of all of you. But hey, that's the kind of church we are, right? Okay, let's just read this. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. And that's how Paul leaves it right there. We thought, but no, actually there were no chapters. There were no verses when Paul wrote this. He just went right on to say, therefore, therefore, because of that struggle, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The building is not condemned. You get it? Your life is not condemned. You're not going to be ripped down and somebody else come in and take the place. You're not condemned. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, because Ron is weak, as it is through the flesh, God did. God did. I'll repeat it again. God did. Very important. Sending his own son in the likeness, Jesus, without sin, but he looked just like us. He looked like us. But he was different. But he was in the flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He was the one that came through and said, "There needs to be renovations here. There needs to be something new." So that the and we're going on to four. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh; but those who are according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Our focus is on no condemnation. Now, there's no condemnation. We're going to look at it in verses 1 to 3, and then verse 4, and then verses 5 and 8. First, the law of the Spirit, and then the requirement of the law. What is the requirement of the law? What does it mean to fulfill the requirement of the law? And what is mindset? set? Sin is not a surface problem. It is inherent in all of us. But here's a verse that has been a blessing to me, but it is a caution as well. If, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. So you can't just put makeup on and just make it look presentable. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, whoa, 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 hold on. And there are people who say they have come to sinless perfection. That is not possible. That is not possible of being Completely sinless. I've come so close to Jesus, I don't sin anymore. No. No. That's not what the scripture says. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. We always need the message that we are vulnerable that our flesh is vulnerable. We have to come to that place where we understand that. So, let's go. I'm going to read through this passage again and then stop point by point. You thought I already did that, but uh, no, I've got more. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We said that last week. We read that. Why is it Let's just look at this. It says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then Paul says in verse 1 of 8 in the middle there, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see the difference there? What's the difference? Is is Jesus' family named, is his family named Christ? What does that mean? Jesus Christ. Like Ron Sisko. My first name is Ron or Ronald. But my dad's name was Sisko. So is Jesus' father's name Christ? No, this is a double description of who Jesus really is. Okay? Jesus is the man that was sent in our place, to be a propitiation, to be a sacrifice for for us. Christ is his other role or position that he maintained throughout his time here on earth where he was the son of God. He was 100% man and 100% God. And he came to take our sins and walk with us in our humanity. So what Paul has done, he says here, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can switch the names around depending on what role you are talking about in Jesus' life. Jesus Christ is more often used, in fact, three times as many times in the scripture that Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus is listed, 147 times it's Jesus Christ. But you know who the person was that really got this going of Christ Jesus? It was Paul who changed it to Christ Jesus. Emphasis on His Godhead. That's where the answer is. In His Godhead. Yes. It is important that He came and was in flesh like us and went through the temptations. That's what we read about last week. How He was tempted like us. He went through that for us and He didn't have Do I use this illustration again? A God card in his wallet that he pulled out to the enemy, the tempter, and said, ah, I'm God. He didn't. He did it as a man. The same as I am tempted. Jesus was tempted. Same as you are tempted, Jesus was tempted. He is Jesus Christ to us. Paul says here, so then, on the one hand, I myself, we're still in chapter 7, by the way. We haven't gotten out of it. And I'm out of time. Anyway, so then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. I myself. Oh, sounds like double talk. Me, myself, and I. you ever heard that English saying? Paul is talking about the fact that As a man, I suffer, I go through the agony of serving God. We do. We do. And it has to be a choice. It can't be something where you're just sitting back in your easy chair, like watching TV. No, this isn't watching TV. This is active. You are involved in this on a daily basis, 24-7 or you should be it's active i myself am serving the law i'm engaged with it it's part of what my christian life is about so if you are struggling or if you are you are striving serving feeling the bondage of sin you're in the right place so let's go let's go then to chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Zip. Nada. Nai. Nakata. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's what he has done for us. That's what Jesus has done for us. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. He provided in Jesus Christ salvation for us. Jesus came as a man for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came as a baby. Jesus came through the growing up years, teenage years, the young adult years until he was 30 years of age for us taking on our humanity, being our advocate, our sacrifice lamb. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh by living that righteous life. Like we read last week, because we could not do it, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3:19 and 20. By this we know that we belong to the truth. And we assure, we are convincing our hearts in his presence that if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And he knows all things. We can't hide anything from him. So why not just say, I've got this in my heart. I receive, Jesus, your blood, your redemption, your forgiveness. I confess it to you. And let him do that renovation that he needs to do in our lives. Jesus was also a spirit-filled man. In verse 2 it says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Luke 4.14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was after he had been tempted by the devil that he returned to ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was a spirit-filled man, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, to send another, another helper. That's in John 14, 16. When he was preparing his disciples that he was going to be going to the cross in just a few hours, he sat and talked to them about the fact, when I go to the Father, I will have him send the Holy Spirit. But Jesus did another thing too. Toward the end, Jesus had his disciples together with him. And he did a creation act with them. You all know what the creation act is in this church. For those of you who are visiting, I'll say it again. When God created Adam, when God created man, he reached down to the earth and scooped up a handful of dust, of dirt. And he formed a man. And then... He took that form and it says that he breathed into him whoo, the breath of life. And man became a living being. Or this form became a living being with the breath of God. John 20, 22 says that Jesus gathered his disciples around him and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That, folks, is recreation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And what he was doing for us is bestowing on us the Spirit of God, the breath of God. For all of us who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and some change has come, that's what it is, folks. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit in us who believe. That is miraculous. That is life giving. That is what the Christian life is all about. Well, I want that. I want the Spirit of God. I don't want my sin. I don't want to come under condemnation. I want to walk in the Spirit. And it was Jesus Christ who demonstrated how to walk in the Spirit. Amen. But Paul keeps plodding on. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death and what the law could not do, weak as it was through... The flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. This leads us to the last two points. Verse 4 So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. You get that? The requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's impossible. You've heard me say this over and over again as we were plodding through Romans 7. The Christian life is impossible for us as human beings. Who are you kidding? You're only kidding yourself. But in actuality, what Jesus has done is he has asked the Father to send another one like him, who actually, rather than being a man of flesh, the Spirit of God is a spirit living within all of us who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And that, my friends, is why Paul was talking about this conflict between the flesh and his mind. Because what he's saying here is that that the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. We're not really in tune with our flesh as much as we are in tune with the Spirit of God. But walk, walk according to the Spirit. Walking, oh, this is going to be way out there, but uh, walking is something that is very unique to human beings. You say, well, Ron, wait a minute. Monkeys walk on two feet. Yeah, and Darwin got it wrong and didn't really understand what a real human being is. Monkeys still can walk very effective and run on their front feet. They're not perfectly upright. Have you ever seen a gorilla, a baboon, A monkey running fast, what's it doing? It's on all four. Well, can you see anybody in the Olympics on all four running a race? We run the best when we're upright, like men, like women. So forget about Darwin. I don't think he ever went to an Olympics. According to, let's just look at that just a a bit, because... According to and set their minds are mentioned several times right in these verses here, and they mean something. We walk according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the on the spirit is life and peace, because the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God. So these things, according to and also set your mind. What does that mean? What What is a mindset? First of all, according to has the understanding of, in the Greek as I understand it, it's Down from is actually the literal Greek. You have down from, according to, it comes from, it's sourced in this particular being or incident or principle or whatever. According to, it is derived from that. And so we are getting our source, our source in the Christian life is according to the spirit. I'm a Christian because I have the Spirit of Jesus in my life. Another one just like Jesus. He's in my life. And when that comes to your reality, the Christian life doesn't become easy, but it sure is a whole lot more happy and satisfied and fulfilling. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to keep ourselves. And that's why Paul keeps talking about this struggle. But we have the Holy Spirit with us. So it's a not a glum kind of thing. It is a goal. It is an achievement where we're relying on the Spirit of Christ within us to live the Christian life because we can't do it. And what about our mindset? Paul talks about the transforming of your mind. And that's another highlight in Paul's teaching that we're looking forward to. It actually means setting your mind on Christ, being transformed. And that's the process of the Christian life, getting our lives wrapped around the Spirit of God, who is the one that teaches us the Word, that allows us then to come into spiritual liberty Christian liberty as human beings so that we're not bound by sin. We're not bound by condemnation. We belong to Christ. Here's a very wonderful thing for us to understand. Jesus met a woman who came out of the town. Jesus was tired. He really probably didn't want to talk to anybody. But this woman came and had an encounter with Jesus about her lifestyle, about the condition of her heart. And as he was talking, a light went on for her. And it was, I believe, a revelation to her that she was no longer a condemned prostitute in that town that by the work of the living water of Jesus, she went back into that town and told the men of that city, he told me everything that I ever did. And the men came out to see who that was that changed that woman. An interesting thing was, Jesus was talking to her about the spirit. An hour is coming, Jesus said, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus has sent the Helper to us, the Holy Spirit. If you have received Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of life and peace in your life. Go in that strength and that revelation, that understanding of this is what the Christian life is about. It's about life and peace and ceasing from struggle. Receiving what God has already given you in your life to live the Christian life. and He will bring the Word of God afresh in your heart and be able to change those things that you have never been able to change as we walk in the spirit like men and women like God intended us to be from very creation. Get it? This is wonderful truth. This is what God is speaking to us today. Receive it. Think about it. Take it home and and think about these scriptures. God bless you. And I thank you for the privilege of being able to share these things with you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your wonderful gift to us of the Spirit of God. Thank you that these things are written, that we might have life, and that we have it more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen.